Welcome back to Tay Learning. This is Olivia. And this is Danny, and we're your co-hosts. Today is super exciting because we get to talk about red. Ah, I love red. I mean, everybody loves red. What am I even talking about? And we have a oh, lot good. to hit because there are two versions of red. Versions. The stolen version and the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> or religious text of choice. <laughs> So I guess we should kick it off with the history of exactly what was happening when Red originally came out. Um, we already know that Red Taylor's version came out last fall in big part because of all the master's controversy, which we did speak about in our first couple of episodes. Or actually, we could probably kick it back even further to like 2010, 2011, when the album was being written. Yeah, we were just talking about this before we even started the episode, Danny, about how it's hard for us to visualize like speak now era Taylor wrote red and red era Taylor wrote 1989. It's just and kind of mind blowing. So on and so forth. I can't picture it because I always imagine that it is the red Taylor that is performing on stage that wrote those songs, but it's yeah. not the same person. She had the long voluptuous curly blonde hair side bang or side part. She didn't have bangs really. Yeah. She didn't have bangs yet. The, which she's loved so much she's held on to for over a decade. Uh, the <laughs> the whimsical outfits. She was singing Enchanted on stage and behind the stage she was crying. Writing all too well. Writing all too well, which was the first song she wrote on Red. It was during a yeah. rehearsal se- session for Speak Now. And she started- February 2011. Started diddling around on a guitar. And the next thing you know, she writes one of the most iconic songs of, our generation for sure. Yeah. Of her, her entire discography. Critics favorite, band favorite. Never see anything like it again, probably. The original Red came out on October 22nd, 2012. So at this point, almost 10 years ago, which is kind of wild to think about. That is wild to think about. I remember when Red came out very, very vividly. And yeah, I can't even wrap my head around it because Taylor Swift completely changed her image between Speak Now and red she started doing the pop music again she got the bangs and she Mm -hmm. started dressing really sleek and sharp instead of like in these big poofy gowns that she had during her speak now era it was a big change of pace for sure Mm -hmm. a lot of critics said that red was her first step into adult music too Mm. so it kind of changed from you know you're a successful teenager to this is your first adult album Very interesting. And she said at one point that she wanted Red to be a statement about how she wanted to learn new things, which is why she started to work with different collaborators that produced her music differently. So that's why you get dubstep and I knew you were trouble, but you get some country roots and begin again and you get some rock influences and state of grace Um, She said that she explored new genres instead of sticking to her country pop because she described the variation in musical styles as, quote, a metaphor for how messy a real breakup is. (laughs) Interesting. And I guess, yeah, that's true. She did have a ton of influence on this, which I think is great. I know that there was Swedish producer Max Martin who was on this and he is great at that big building pop music and dubstepy style music. We know Nathan Chapman mm-hmm. has been a longtime collaborator and he helped produce the final yeah. version of the album. Uh, she brought in Jeff Basker <laughs> who had produced We Are Young by Fun. Mm-hmm. And that ended up leading to production of Holy Ground and the Lucky One. And then there's Ed Sheeran. Everything has changed, which yeah. is their first collaboration officially. It's so cute. Their friendship is wholesome. <laughs> she ended up, um, of the 16 tracks on the album for the final cut of Original Red, she was the sole writer of 10 of those songs. And she co-wrote mm-hmm. the other six songs. So this was a yeah. really heavy collaboration album after Speak Now, in which she wrote the entire thing herself. Yeah. Red was, all right, I'm, I need some help. Which makes sense yeah. considering she was heartbroken. Yeah. And she was exploring different sounds too. So she didn't want to just try that on her own. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it was really successful in 2020. Rolling Stone ranked Red as number 99 on its grand list of 500 greatest albums of all time, which is kind of crazy. I was flipping through it last night and 
in the top 100, like she's ranked to 99, there are other artists like Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, the Beatles, you know, and she's 99 and which is, doesn't sound that good, but on a list of 500, I think the only other album of hers that was on the list was 1989 and it was like number 400 something. Wow. But Red, Red OG is 99. Wow. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially since Red didn't even win like the Grammy album of the year. Yeah. Which it was nominated for. She's really hopeful that it would win. I think Red is kind of her baby. Another fun fact about the original Red that I really liked. So most of the songs on Red were inspired by the one big X we know, Jake Gyllenhaal. And Taylor said in an interview that she didn't drop his name, but she, we can guess who it is. She said that um, this ex contacted her after listening to the album and described the experience as bittersweet. Huh. I wonder, what did she say to that? What do you say? Who knows? (laughs) Like, thank you for listening. Go fuck yourself. I, I don't know because it's, it's not like her relationship with Harry Styles, which again, we talked about but they seem to be amicable at this point on speaking terms. There's video evidence of that. Mm -hmm. I feel like if she was in the same room as Jake Gyllenhaal, neither of them would be friendly. I could be wrong. I kind of hope that I am. I think the vibe, this is without research. Neither one of us have done our deep dive on their relationship yet. The vibe I kind of get just from like listening to the songs we've listened to and seeing that she, you know, said that in an interview. I wonder if they just accept the acquaintance level and they're like polite acquaintance level they're not friends or anything but I don't get the vibe that she hates him but that's just me speculating without any context (laughs) yeah I just saw the way that she acted in those interviews last November where she was very shady toward him I kind of took those interviews back in November when Red Taylor's version came out as kind of just I really don't care that's not the point like my ex isn't the point. I don't care about him. That's not the point. That's probably a better take. So <laughs> I mean, it's albums, been so long. <laughs> it has been so long. These albums, both of them, while very similar, are obviously very, very different because they were recorded almost a decade mm-hmm. apart. And because Red Taylor's version does have all of those vault tracks, which is absolutely insane, which is the biggest difference between the two albums, obviously, is that yeah. Taylor's version has is just stacked. It's 30 songs instead of 16. <laughs> it's insane. Like half of the album was a vault track, which is insane to me. For those who don't know, the vault tracks are songs that she wrote during the original recording process of her original album that didn't make the cut on the original. So she recorded them, produced them, and put them on the re-recording as vault tracks. She had some with Fearless, but like half the album for Red being a vault track was huge. And there was yeah. so much to get through. I'm pretty sure when we listened through Taylor's version for the first time, didn't we start with the vault tracks? Because yes, we decided that we yes. needed to get through those just in case we got sleepy. And I mm-hmm. absolutely did. I fell asleep, yep. I think like four or five songs in. And then I would like halfway wake up and then go back. Yeah, everything was changed, just playing. And I'm like, Danny. And she's like, it's fine. It's everything has changed. Oh, that's so <laughs> garbage of me to say. <laughs> but yeah, that's literally exactly what happened. And I loved Ed Sheeran. In 2012, I stood out in the cold from like 9 a.m. <laughs> all the way until the show because I wanted to see him so bad. And I got great spots. I loved Ed Sheeran. I still like Ed Sheeran just... Man, his music jumped the shark real hard, in my opinion, but that's a story for another day. Right. I think another um, interesting comparison is her Metacritic review on the OG 2012 version versus the 2021 Taylor's version. Yeah, that was 77%, right? Which is still pretty good. Mm -hmm. But Taylor's version in 2021 got a score of 91 out of 100. Absolutely insane. a significant jump. My question for you is, do you think that that is mostly because of the songs from the vault? Or do you think that it's mostly because of the mature way that her voice captures these songs now? I think it's the mature way her voice captures these songs now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because the vault tracks are really good, but I don't think that they make or break Red. Also with Red Taylor's version. It broke so many streaming records and it became the most streamed album in a day from a female artist on Spotify. 
with more than 90.8 million global opening day streams. Now, wild. That surpassed her own record, which was for folklore in 2020 with 80.6 million. Yeah. I remember when, because Danny and I listened to Red Taylor's version together. We waited until midnight. We turned on Spotify, tried to pull up Taylor's account on Spotify, and she literally froze out Spotify for five minutes. Yes, we were very stressed. (laughs) And it happened to everyone too. So everyone was like panicking for five minutes. (laughs) That's so true. It was so good though. It was so good. It was amazing. What I have so much nostalgia for that weekend. Same. I can't wait to be back in Michigan in a couple of weeks to see your pretty face. Heck yeah. (laughs) And also concerning the original Red, the original Red tour, it is the highest grossing country tour of all time, which is insane to me. That's wild. Over 1.7 million people attended and over $150.2 million in revenue. Absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely wild. I mean, it lasted over a year. So that makes sense. It went from like March of 13 to June of 14. So. And it was that successful even when Katie took back her backup dancers. (laughs) Backs. It was, that tour was going all the way up almost until Shake It Off was released, which is insane to me because Shake It Off came out in August of 2014. Insane. She was recording her 1989 album Wall on the Red Tour. And I can't wrap my head around that, but we've talked about that. She was so busy, man genuinely can't imagine must have been drinking a lot of coffee it's also kind of weird too because I borderline don't even consider red country so it's so funny that it breaks all these country records but it's just like half of its country (laughs) so something I discovered Danny that I texted you last night being so super excited to share with you so I opened up my red OG CD booklet And she started all of her albums with a little prologue blurb. And I wanted to read you the prologue blurb. Okay. So she says, there's an old poem by Neruda that I've always been captivated by. And one of the lines in it has stuck with me ever since the first time I read it. It says, love is so short, forgetting is so long. It's a line I've related to in my saddest moments when I needed to know someone else had felt the exact same way. And when we're trying to move on, the moments we always go back to aren't the mundane ones. They're the moments you saw sparks that weren't really there, felt stars aligning without having any proof, saw your future before it happened, and then saw it slip away without any warning. These are the moments of newfound hope, extreme joy, intense passion, wishful thinking, and in some cases, the unthinkable letdown. And in my mind, every one of these memories looks the same to me. I see all of these moments in bright burning red. My experiences in love have taught me difficult lessons, especially my experiences with crazy love, the red relationships, the ones that went from zero to 100 miles per hour and then hit a wall and exploded. And it was awful and ridiculous and desperate and thrilling. And when the dust settled, it was something I'd never take back because there was something to be said for being so young and needing someone so badly, something to be learned from waiting all day for a train that's never coming. And there's something to be proud of about moving on and realizing that real love shines golden like starlight and doesn't fade or spontaneously combust. Maybe I'll write a whole album about that kind of love if I ever find it. But this album is about the other kinds of love that I've recently fallen in and out of. Love that was treacherous, sad, beautiful, and tragic. But most of all, this record is about love that was read. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That, okay. So for those of you who don't understand why we're freaking the fuck out right now, Lover, that is the Lover album. That is the Lover album. The song did Red. Yeah. And I think she only said Starlight, like golden, like Starlight in this blur because of the song Starlight. But the idea that love is golden like daylight, she knew this all along. I once believed love would be burning red. But it's golden like daylight, like daylight. She's been holding on to that forever. Wow. Yeah, I cried when I read that last night and I texted oh you immediately. God, how have I not seen that on TikTok or something? We need to post that. I don't know. I honestly don't know how the fandom isn't running with this. 
I don't know, but she knew this entire time. And something that is said in the song Daylight, <clears throat> I, the live from Paris version always messes me up good because <laughs> of how emotional it is. But the I used to believe that love would be burning red, but it's golden like daylight. You and I have broken that down so many times. I can't wait to mm-hmm. do it on an actual episode. But the TLDR okay. of it is that you think that things are passionate and amazing and hot and sexy and red. Burning burning red and that that's what love is but real love is far more comfortable and warm and it feels Mm. like a sun on your face that's the idea of it and the fact that she knew this she was aware when she was writing red that she was in the wrong type of love is insane to me she has such a great way articulating feelings which is what makes her makes her so taylor swift i guess is the only way to put it it's what makes right. her who she is. You said once in an episode, and to me, that she described having a crush the same way that having a crush felt like to you. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of loving somebody burning red and then finding a love that feels golden like daylight is something yes. that was so deeply to me because we've all been there, but I have had, you know, a couple of infatuation relationships. I don't know what you want to call them. Depends on who it was, who it was I was talking about, where I fully believed that this was the way to love mm-hmm. and it is not obsessively and devastatingly and like if it's not always at 100 miles per hour it must be wrong and mm-hmm. that is genuinely something that I said to a therapist one time and the therapist was like do you feel like the relationship you're in is wrong because it brings you peace and you're because- like wow that that's a question <laughs> it's not going 100 miles per hour. it's not going crazy and yeah. I was like oh well Maybe I should listen to some more Taylor Swift. Oh. The freaking roadmap for these types of things. I don't know. Because she is all knowing, apparently. Man, that quote messed me up because I've always gone through my Taylor Swift knowledge thinking, oh, you know, when she was 22, she thought love was supposed to be burning red. And that was like the goal. And then she didn't realize until she met Joe Allen, her current boyfriend, that love is supposed to be golden like daylight. But no, she knew the whole time. Or not even the whole time. She knew after her red relationship yes. failed. She yes. knew it wasn't right when she knew it wasn't right. But right. in the moment when you're in it, you're like, this has to be what this is. Right. I'm so obsessed. <laughs> yeah. When really the truth is, in my experience, if you are obsessed with your significant other, like obsessed with them, not just I love them, they're perfect for me, whatever. If you're obsessed with mm-hmm. them, spoiler alert it's probably wrong yeah like obsessed to the point where you do things that are slightly out of character like stalk their locations obsessively because you need to know where they are at every given time at every given day can't stop going through their social medias and that's not even to me like in the very beginning of course like the red part of the relationship naturally comes out it's natural for in the beginning to have red but if it's only red sounds probably wrong Before we hop into our song opinions on Red, I did just want to read Taylor's Red Taylor's version announcement post. Um, She posted this on all of her social medias, and I think she just really has a way with words. So I want to share. She said, I've always said that the world is a different place for the heartbroken. It moves on a different axis at a different speed. Time skips backwards and forwards fleetingly. The heartbroken might go through thousands of micro emotions a day to figure out how to get through it without picking up the phone to hear that old familiar voice. In the land of heartbreak, moments of strength, independence, and devil-may-care rebellion are intricately woven together with grief, paralyzing vulnerability, and hopelessness. Imagining your future might always take you on a detour back to the past. And this is all to say that the next album I'll be releasing is my version of Red. Musically and lyrically, Red resembled a heartbroken person. It was all over the place, a fractured mosaic of feelings that somehow all fit together in the end. Happy, free, confused, lonely, devastated, euphoric, wild, and tortured by memories past. Like trying on pieces of a new life, I went into the studio and experimented with different sounds and collaborators. And I'm not sure if it was pouring my thoughts into this album, hearing thousands of your voices sing the lyrics back to me in passionate solidarity, or if it was simply time, but something was healed along the way. 
sometimes you need to talk it over, over and over and over for it to ever really be over. Like your friend who calls you in the middle of the night going on and on about their ex, I just couldn't stop writing. This will be the first time you hear all 30 songs that were meant to go on red. And hey, one of them is even 10 minutes long. <laughs> I got goosebumps halfway through that. Um, God, why am, I, why am I starting to cry? Such a little bitch. Because uh, she's so good with words. <laughs> she's very good with words. The opening line to that, the time moves different for the heartbroken. Mm-hmm. It like resonates so hard with... I think everyone who's ever been like fully devastated by somebody, I, God, I'm literally crying. I'm such a weenie. Uh, <laughs> I, I think about all of the times that I have been just absolutely gutted and heartbroken and you're inconsolable when you're heartbroken. Yeah. People can say time heals all and your response is, it doesn't fuck help. you. <laughs> like, and they're like, you'll you find can't make time better. move faster. <laughs> oh, you can't make time move faster and you can't scrub my brain to get this mm-hmm. person out of my head. Yeah. Red would have destroyed me if I had been super into it during any of yeah. my times of major heartbreak. It would have gutted me because for sure paints heartbreak so well in this album of all of those things you feel free and you feel happy and you're gutted and you're destroyed. And all of a sudden a day is fine. And then your next day, you can't get out of bed. I love this album for so many And the next day reasons. you call them. <laughs> I love this album so for good. so many reasons. And it's complete ability to paint heartbreak so poignantly mm-hmm. is just unmatched. I think the only other time I've listened to an album and been like, oh, this is heartbreak is like Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> And that's like angry heartbreak. That's like I have to go yeah. on stage with you. Heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because read the entire album. There aren't any super pointedly angry songs, in my opinion, that stick out to me. I mean, there's some that have kind of an edge, but they're not angry, angry. They're more devastated and standing up for yourself when it's necessary type songs. Yep. It's definitely more sad than it is angry. And I don't miss that. I hope I'm at a point in my life. I hope I don't have another breakup. If Mm -hmm. I were to have another one in my life, I hope that my response would never be that feeling of sadness again. I feel like the first heartbreak does you so dirty that you cannot let yourself do it again. And yeah. I I've been through a couple of breakups that I felt like really gutted me, but you know, looking back on them in retrospect, they were so different and the relationship Mm -hmm. was so different that there's only like one breakup in particular that I can think of in my head that made me like not want to live anymore almost. And I don't know a better way to paint it than the red album. And I'm glad I never have to do that again, or at least I hope that I have like the mental barrier that would allow me to never have to feel this kind of absolutely gutting heartbreak yeah. again. Yeah, this is the kind of heartbreak that you, like Taylor describes in her prologue, you thought it was going to be forever because it was burning passionate red and you thought that's the way love should be. And then it's kind of the other side of the sword with a red relationship is the absolute devastation when it's over because how could it have been so passionate if it wasn't going to work out? And it messes up the rest of your relationships after that because you feel like something is wrong. If you don't feel that, when it turns out that feeling that is the biggest, no pun intended, red flag. Yeah. Or at least long-term. At least long-term. Yeah. No, there yeah. should definitely be passion. I think honeymoon there. stage, red passionate feelings is totally normal. But but if you're constantly living at a 100, something's yeah. wrong. You will crash. You will yeah. lose control. So to this album, we know our opinions on it. Everyone listening knows our opinions on it, which are very, very positive. Yeah, we love. (laughs) We do love. But I'm going to force you to pick your top five favorite songs on the album. And you don't need to do a particular order. I'm not going to make you do that. can't do an order. So I did already go through and like pick them out last night, but it was really difficult. I had to listen to the entire album. Okay. All 30 songs, I had to listen to them. So mine 
from the original like set of songs I had read. I can't not love that song. And All Too Well is simply a staple in the Taylor Swift discography. I have a vault track and two bonus tracks. So I have Come Back, Be Here. Come back, be here. Come back, be here. The moment I knew. And better man. I just miss you and I just wish you were a better man. A better man. It's very hard with this album because there are so many songs on this album. There's so many. Picking very challenging. We have very similar feelings on this. Mm-hmm. Again, in, in no particular order of the original album. All too well read. Hey. And then I go State of Grace. This is a state of grace. This is the word the why fight. Love is a ruthless game. Unless you play it good and right. Mm-hmm. And treacherous. Gotcha. Those are good ones, though. They're beautiful. So, I mean, I think that the sexiest lyric that Taylor Swift has ever written is in Treacherous. I know she literally has a song called Dress, where the lyrics are, um, I only bought this dress so you could take it off. Only bought this dress so you could take it off. Take it off. Doesn't matter. The sexiest lyric she's ever written is, I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. When we expand it, really, I swap out all too well for all too well 10 minute version. It's never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. I think those two, at least when I list like my favorites, I kind of consider those interchangeable. Yeah, but also they're not because the production is so different. Similar just, enough. I haven't really listened to the five-minute version hardly at all since the 10-minute version came out because it feels like something's True. missing. I know that not everybody feels that way. I've seen people on TikTok say like, oh, I haven't listened to the 10-minute version more than like the fir- first time it came out. And I'm like, what? I listen to it on repeat sometimes. Same. I have this problem where if I'm taking very short flights, like if the flight's like KC to Chicago and it's like 40 minutes, I'm like, that's just four all too wells. And so I just put on all too well (laughs) on repeat because we're descending by the time (laughs) we're at the end of the fourth one. I went through a phase right after it came out where I would literally run on the treadmill to the 10 minute version of all too well because it made the 10 minutes that I would run go by faster. (laughs) So my other song that I really want to put up there, I don't know where I would switch it out, is Nothing New. And we still want me when I'm nothing new. Mm -hmm. Maybe with Treacherous. Probably with Treacherous. Yeah, Treacherous is really good, but... I also love Begin Again a lot. This is very challenging. In a cafe, I watched it begin again. It is really challenging, but also that means that there has to be a song we would cut. Okay, so the original, original 16, one to cut. Uh, I hate to say it, I hate to say it. I think the last time is boring. I get why people like it. It's a pretty song, but I literally forget about its existence until it comes on when I'm listening to the album in order. So it just doesn't I, do it for me for whatever reason. I don't 
disagree with you. I don't love the last time. It does sound very Snow Patrol, which makes sense because it has Gary Lightbody featured on it. Mm-hmm. I get so much flack for this. I know I what would... you're going to say, I think. Yes. Stay, stay, stay. It's stay, stay, stay. I love stay, stay, stay. It's so cute. I know you do. It's so happy. How can you not listen to it and just be like, wow, this is happy. Because it bothers the shit out of me. It's so cute. I'm sorry. You took the time to memorize me, my fears, my hopes, and dreams. I just like hanging out with you. I wish I could hang out with you for my whole life. I feel like I would like it more if the hook weren't so goddamn annoying to me. I think it's cute and fun. I like the lyrics. Like Taylor Swift says at the end, it's so fun. It is fun. It is fun. I don't like the hook. The verses are fine. The lyrics are fine. Uh, But also I have the unpopular opinion of not liking the moment I knew very much. Like for me, if the moment I knew didn't make context for all too well 10 minute version, that it's supposed to be fun turning 21. Watch me watch the front door all night, willing you to come. And he said it's supposed to be fun. You listeners out here can't see it. I'm shaking my head so hard. She is shaking her head so hard. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Taylor's version is a lot more palatable for me. The 2012 version is almost whiny to me because she hadn't so really come into her vocals yet. It's I love almost- talking about the songs with you because we can agree really heavily on the album as a whole. But when it comes down to what makes that album special for us, it's always so different. Yeah. Because... I had a hard time getting comfortable with Taylor's version of the moment I knew because I didn't think it was as emotional or powerful as the 2012 version. I mean, it's not as emotional. Honestly, it's just, it's not, it's not going to be as emotional because she's not living in that anymore. As somebody who wasn't super into red in 2012, I had no problem with it because I wasn't feeling those feelings when it first came out. So when Mm -hmm. I was listening to it, I was like, oh, she sounds so much more mature and moved on with my life. But it is absolutely less emotional. But so is All Too Well. I would mm-hmm. argue that All Too Well is less emotional too. I don't know. I feel like she's mastered her acting with that one. That's probably true. If I'm comparing the five-minute version to the five-minute version, the original sounds way more emotional. But the 10-minute version, mm-hmm. just because the lyricism cannot be beat in terms of emotion, it can't. Mm-hmm. If 2012 Taylor had sung the 10-minute version, world would have fallen apart. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have made it through my would- 2012 breakups. <laughs> made it. <laughs> two of my boyfriend's top five are on this album and i'm pretty sure his number three favorite song is all too well 10 minute version or taylor swift song <laughs> and then his number five is forever winter because he's a jack and stan he loves those horns. <laughs> he loves those horns. More horns all the time. So, and also Jack Antonoff produced all too well 10 minute versions. So I think he, I think yeah. he just really likes he, Jack Antonoff. He can hear Jack Antonoff in everything. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just speaks to him like on a romantic level that I will never be able to match. Yeah, you won't ever understand. Nope. He'd probably leave but me bef- for Jack Antonoff. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be that surprised, honestly. <laughs> Before we move on to just the vault tracks, I want to talk bonus tracks from the original Red. Ooh, okay. Because this album has my least favorite Taylor Swift song of all time. Taylor's version, OG version, I don't care. They, I hate them both. Okay. Girl at Home. If Girl at Home never existed, I would be happy as a clam. <laughs> I don't think it, it got better with Taylor's version. She she tried to make it all like synthy pop, whatever. I don't care. It didn't make it better for me. You got beef I with that song. Home. I hate that song. And I know all the words still, unfortunately. I will still bop to it because it's a Taylor Swift song. I do not like Girl at Home. Okay, why? Because this this opinion is not unpopular. But I, I don't know like why Girl you- at Home because of the lyrics. 
so the premise of girl at home is she's this other girl and this other girl's boyfriend is hitting on her and she's telling him don't look at me you've got a girl at home and everybody knows that um maybe i'd consider it if i was a stupid girl and i'm not here for like the subtle misogyny of blaming the other girl in a situation like that when i don't i think the guy is the one that's like the most wrong and it's not like she's not saying the guy isn't wrong but it could have done without the subtle slut shaming and calling other girls stupid and while it's subtle it always rubbed me wrong and I'm not here for it I forgot about girl at home honestly because I also try to shove it out of my brain I don't think it's my least favorite Taylor Swift song of all time I don't actually know well, my least favorite Taylor Swift song yeah. of all time is. But you're and right. the chorus, too, I think is annoying. The same way that you think Stay, Stay, Stay is annoying. Don't look at me. You got a girl at home and everybody knows that. Uh-uh. I can't. Girl at home, cut. It's and so I funny. would cut that, too, honestly. So we're cutting that. Now we have to cut our vault tracks. I'm so sorry, Ed Sheeran. Run. We can go where eyes can take us. Go where no is run. I'm so sorry. I know he loves that song. I know. The it's... first time we heard Run, I really liked it. And then it got boring. But the first time I heard it, it was like, this is so beautiful. It's pretty. But um, I'm looking at all the other ones and how could I cut any of the other ones? It's very interesting because the first time I listened through all of the vault tracks, my least favorite was I Bet You Think About Me. I'm harder to forget than I was to leave And I bet you think about me mm-hmm. I think that's because it's country and I tend to immediately skew against country but I like it a lot now Maybe the music video with Miles Teller helped with that I don't know Yeah but Yeah Run has to be on the cutting room floor I'm sorry, Ed Sheeran. Although on the, on the in the first listen, I would have said, I bet you think about me. Because I know he said during the hype of Red Taylor's version coming out that he was a little disappointed that Taylor chose Everything Has Changed over Red in the original cut. So he was really excited for Run to come out. And it just makes me feel bad. I almost wish that they had been switched. I know Everything Has Changed was a single and it was huge. I almost wish that run had been on the original version Mm -hmm. because I feel like it fits with the album a lot better than everything has changed does. Right. Especially when she ended the album on begin again, that was supposed to be the hopeful song of the original track listing. So that would, I would have switched them. If I could have switched them, I would have switched them. Not because I like run more necessarily, but just because I feel like it made more sense with the album itself and everything has changed. Might've been a really well-loved vault track if that had been the case if it had been at full track that is so the three most underrated songs in this album from each of our opinions in no particular order are we going to include vault tracks for this or no might as well i did but none of the vault tracks made it on my cut yeah i'm not sure that i can count them as underrated since it came out less than a year ago like we haven't had time to underrate them yet yeah okay what are yours oh god i'm not ready oh okay mine are (laughs) i almost do I love I almost do it doesn't obviously didn't hit the top five favorite for me but I almost do is such a good heartbreak song mm-hmm. I think treacherous is underrated and I think the moment I knew is underrated oh, <laughs> sorry I just I was listening to it last night and I almost didn't put it on my top five favorites because I know you don't love it. I know the fandom doesn't like talk about it much. So I like question my own love for it. But the moment I listened to it, (laughs) the moment I knew when I listened to it, I think her songs with like violin strings really get me because I love Haunted as well. I really like I almost do and I agree that it's underrated 
for sake of us being mostly different, so we don't have the same songs <laughs> as underrated. In no particular order, I would go Treacherous, Begin Again, and Starlight, maybe. Starlight is a good one. That was one of my favorites when it came out in 2012, when I was a teenager. It paints such a beautiful picture. It really does. Sad, and beautiful, so tragic fun. also strikes a chord for mm. me. Yeah. But it's also quite literally just a sad song. So... It's so sad. But Starlight's fun and Begin Again. I can't wait till we talk about the album closers because Begin Again is such a good closer. I know. I agree. Such a beautiful song. They're all so good, though. I do think Treacherous is the most underrated on the album, though. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I think it's really underrated. The Lucky One, I think, is one that's underrated, but it's not one that I would go to bat for. I appreciate the song a lot more after our deep dive of it, but it's it still didn't earn a spot as one of the songs I'd fight for. I agree. What is your favorite vault track? So my default answer is all 12 10 minute version because that is one of Yeah, that one doesn't count. There. We're not counting that one. That one's we, both of our number ones of all time like Exactly. <laughs> so we, we can't we literally can't count it. I I have to go nothing new. Yeah, that's what I expected from you. <laughs> that sounded so shady you love that song it was like- <laughs> i love that song although remember the first time we listened through it message in a bottle was such a banger it still is that was so fun it message so- in a bottle is a song that i would go to bat for i remember being so annoyed when like swift talk took off with it and started making fun of it and i'm like no it's a good song yeah people made fun of it for no reason i was like what the what are you doing it and it was like a literal like song in a time capsule it would have been amazing in 2012 it gave me carly ray jensen vibes like call me maybe and it would have been jensen hey i just met you this is crazy but here's my listen <laughs> listen okay sometimes i can't talk <laughs> but yes it would have it would have hit it would have hit, hit so hard i think my favorite though is better man i never heard the little big town version because i got really disconnected from country i just miss you and i just wish you were a better sort of original version by Little Big Town. For those of you who don't know, she wrote Better Man for for the Red Album and had to decide between Better Man and All Too Well for her like big breakup sad song. And she picked All Too Well and then sold the lyrics. It won Country Song of the Year. I know you're a Better Man stan. I know you were really looking forward to it. I love Mm -hmm. Better Man. I think I just have that attachment to nothing new because the lyrics hit me so hard. Right. But also on nothing new, it has the criticize the way you fly while you're soaring through the sky, which has been great for memes right now because of the Taylor Swift CO2 controversy. (laughs) But just to address that real quick, because enough people have brought it up to the both of us. It is okay to say that it is disappointing that this is just a tangent. Mm-hmm. It is okay. Yes. And it should be that it is okay to say that it is disappointing that wealthy people, not just Taylor, the other nine people on that list and incredibly wealthy CEOs, billionaires worldwide are not mm-hmm. being as responsible as they should be with their emissions and output and offsetting those emissions and output and recognize that there is a flaw in the system in where they cannot fly commercial without putting their lives and the lives of others on the plane at risk. Mm-hmm. It's also being used as an outlet for misogyny People are piling on to Taylor Swift who already hate Taylor Swift and are looking for an excuse to talk shit about her publicly. Yes. So we can be disappointed. We can hold her to a higher standard as fans Mm -hmm. and recognize that this is being flung out of proportion because people love to hate women and people really love to hate Taylor Swift. And the issue itself 
is far more complex than rich people flying planes, even though they contribute to a lot of carbon emission in the world. This is an issue that is multi-layered. We need more research into alternative methods of energy for cars, planes, etc. We need the wealthy 1% to be more aware, but also we need to be aware that for, like you said, their safety and the safety of others, they can't just take a commercial flight. Taylor Swift, for example, because I know a lot about her, has literally had people break into her apartments and sleep in her bed. She sure. can't take a commercial flight. She can't take a commercial <laughs> flight. Somebody would try to kill her and probably end up killing others on the flight. And that includes mm-hmm. you as the listener and other people who criticize yeah. her. So, and even people that love her, when you get into like, a mob that's dangerous and even a loving mob is dangerous for these people exactly it causes stampedes and people will get hurt and likely die so Mm -hmm. we can hold them accountable we can tell them that they need to offset their carbon emissions and we can also recognize that around 71 percent of global emissions are done by corporations and not by individuals now when we're thinking individuals we're thinking people like you and me not people who own private jets that being said there are bigger contributors to this problem and we can hold Mm -hmm. her accountable and recognize that it is a multifaceted issue and that is the official tailoring stance on the co2 controversy (laughs) i wanted to throw that in here because i'm so tired of people asking about it and thinking that we're blindly just totally cool with whatever right whatever taylor swift does that we condone it because we love her but that's that's not how friends should treat friends and i'm not saying taylor swift is my friend because she's not but if danny you did something that i didn't agree with i wouldn't just blindly follow you and not challenge you on it and that's what good fans should do for the celebrity that they're a fan of is hold them to a standard to be a better person i completely agree although the memes like i said very funny I'm loving the memes, (laughs) like Taylor Swift on her way to the kitchen to get a glass of water, and it's somebody in an airplane. (laughs) Rare Taylor Swift sighting, and it's a plane flying overhead. (laughs) Wanted to put that out there in case we get more questions about it. Back on topic. What is your favorite song to dance to, Vault Tracks included? Oh, Message in a Bottle. Message in a Bottle is, in my opinion, my favorite song to dance to on this entire album. I love that. It's very, very difficult to beat. Although the very first night, banger. That one has grown on me a lot. It wasn't that impressive for me at first when we first listened through it because Message in a Bottle just overshadowed it hardcore for me because I love Message in a Bottle. But the very first night has been just like the one I've been craving over Message in a Bottle lately. I also have to give a shout out to 22. specifically because I have really good nostalgic memories from when I turned 22. For those of you who don't know this story, my birthday is July 20th. It was a Thursday, so the bars weren't busy. So me and my friends, we bar hopped. We went to like maybe five different bars or something. And at every single bar, we got them to play 22 by Taylor Swift because it's my 22nd birthday, play 22. So of course they did. And I would take a Snapchat story of me and all my friends screaming the lyrics to 22 by taylor swift and going back and watching this story it's so funny because each bar were like increasingly more and more and more drunk to the point where we stopped in this like random bathroom this was at my college campus i had just graduated college so we were going to like all my old college bars and we went to the undergrad library bathroom to go to the bathroom between one of the bars and we turned on 22 by taylor swift in the undergrad library on a thursday night when summer semester people were studying in there And screamed 22 by Taylor Swift all chaotically. We took those, you know, those like, we called them boobers at um, my college, the bike Ubers. Do you remember those? Yep. So they had the carriage and we would fit all five of us in it. And then just like blast 22 by Taylor Swift while this poor person is like bicycling us across campus. (laughs) It was a really great time. So I'm really fond of 22 by Taylor Swift. Okay. I guess, yeah, 22 is amazing because everybody knows the words. It's so much fun to dance to. When I turned 22, it played in the club that we were at and we had the best time. I remember 
when I was in, this is just a silly story. When I was in college and one of the guys that I was like super infatuated with that really broke my heart early on, I was at his house with a few of his roommates and he and I were not a thing at the time, but it hit midnight and his phone starts going off and it's playing 22 by Taylor Swift. And of course, because I was like in my misogyny <laughs> phase, I was like, you're listening yeah. to Taylor Swift. Okay. And he goes, it's my <laughs> fucking birthday, you bitch. And this song is great. And I was like, oh, I didn't. And he's like, no, you should leave. And so I left. But in your place. <laughs> yeah, no, he put my ass in my place. But I was like, I forgot to your 22nd birthday, which again is bizarre. I was like 19. Why Why was that? Whatever. It's fine. That's so funny. <laughs> so that, that messed that song up for me for a while. But then I turned 22 and all was well again. Oh, my gosh. If you could have chosen the lead single... So for context, the lead single was We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. And it was her first number one on the Billboard Hot 100s. If you had to choose a different lead single, what would it have been? Great question. Uh, I don't like We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together very much, if I'm being honest. But it mm -hmm. did make it, like, it did start the country pop crossover. I might have yeah. done Red, if I'm being honest. I know it's a little sad, right. but I might have done Red because I feel like it could have also crossed that threshold. Or I, I knew agree. you were trouble, which did ultimately become a single anyway. What about you? Yeah. I think I knew you were trouble just because of the shock value that it would have had. In the name of Tay Learning, what did you learn this episode, Danny? You know what? I learned, I didn't realize that the Metacritic score was as low as it was for the original one versus the new one. I knew the yeah. new one was great. I didn't realize it was in the upper 70s for the original. What about you? Yeah, it was a pretty big jump. My thing that I learned that I liked the most was that she always knew about golden love. I thought I about that, but I was like, go. Olivia's going to say that one, so I can't say it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> but it's true. That's insane. And I can't wait to do a daylight deep dive and talk Me about- Me too. It's going to be so good. Then what are we talking about next week, though? Yeah, next week, we will be doing a deep dive of Taylor's song, This Love, from 1989. Which is great because, you know, her version just came out a little while ago, a couple months ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And... It was on the summer I turned pretty, which is a great TV show that featured a lot of Taylor's versions. Yes. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that deep dive. Same. As always, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can email us Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, my name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. Thanks for listening. Bye.